Well, good evening, everybody. Tonight, as you can see in the background, the title of my message is Just Say No. And I just want to share with you this very simple, very powerful word that can help you to overcome the temptations of life. It is a word as little and as simple as it is, but a very powerful word that can, uh, that can help you to overcome some of the heartaches or avoid the heartaches or, or the struggles that you may come across in life. This word can, it can also pull you out of difficult situations. If you use it consistently. So it's that word no. As a matter of fact, no is, is a very difficult word for so many people. Uh, and it's interesting how one of the first words that a child learns besides mommy and daddy is the word no. Have you noticed that? My little grandson, I think he learned the word no before he learned to say mommy and daddy or grandpa. So, you know, he'll say no. That, that's how he says no. He emphasizes it. He's got this attitude. He said, no. But it's so cute when he says it. But, but for so many of us, especially adults and young people, we, we struggle with saying no, especially in moments when we sh should be saying no. Amen? In Matthew 5 and verse 37, Jesus tells us to let our yes be yes and our no be no. In other words, say yes to the things that we need to say yes to and say no to the things that we need to say no to. So we are to say yes to the Lord and no to the devil and sin and temptation. But sometimes saying no means making a stand which can also lead to consequences. We'll talk about that a little later. But let me ask this question, and I don't need to see a show of hands, but how many of you have ever been faced with a situation where you know you needed to say no, and you may have wanted to say no, but didn't? I believe most of us, if not all of us, have faced those situations. But tonight I want to encourage you to know and understand the importance and the power of that simple word, no. Because the only way we can overcome situations is just by simply saying no. Matter of fact, when you go home tonight, please don't say no to your spouse. But let's go to Romans chapter 8. I, I want to show you why... A good reason why we should say no. If there's any other reason why we should say no, it's this reason here. Romans chapter 8, and uh, I, I want to read this to you from the New Living Translation. Romans 8, beginning in verse 1, says this. So now, say now. now. That means now at this present moment, there is no condemnation. That is guilt of any wrongdoing. For those who belong to Christ Jesus. How many of you belong to Christ Jesus tonight? Oh, then it's talking to us. And because you belong to him, the power of the life-giving spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. Verse 3. The law of Moses was unable to save us because of the weakness of our sinful nature. So God did what the law could not do. He sent his own son in a body like the bodies we sinners have. And in that body, watch this, God declared an end to the sin's control over us by giving his son as a sacrifice for our sins. This is one of the reasons why we should say no. The fact that, and listen, if we can get a hold of this, realizing what Christ has done for us, reminding ourselves who we are in Christ, knowing our right standing with him every day of our lives, we can overcome any temptation that we face in life. Why? Because there's a power behind the no. Every time we say no, there's a power standing behind it, and his name is Christ. Amen. So we have to remember this 
whenever we're faced with a temptation, knowing who you are in Christ, knowing our right standing with him, reminding ourselves what he's done on the cross, because what he did on the cross is not in vain. But what he did on the cross means victory in every area of our lives. Amen? So when we know this, we don't have to give in so quickly to the worldly and fleshly temptations that we face each day. We, don't have, we, we can look around at all the ungodliness that is around us and be able to say, no, that's not for me. No, that's not about me. As a matter of fact, we can say no because sin is no longer a part of our spiritual DNA because of all that what Christ has done. And so that's the reason why we can say no. So we can say no to the temptations of life. Go with me to James chapter 1. We are a changed people. We are a redeemed people. That should mean something to every one of us. James chapter 1, and we're going to look at the source of temptation. How often, you probably don't even think about this, but how, how often do you think you get tempted You, it's not like you, you know, count all the day, all the times that you get tempted at the end of the day. But I would say several times a day and probably every day. Amen? As long as we're alive, as long as we live in this world, and as long as we live in this flesh, we're always going to face temptation. Temptation will always be a part of our lives. But even though we know that we face temptation, there are times when we can overcome temptations and, and, and receive the victory and enjoy and rejoice in the victory of the temptations. And then there are days when we fail to resist temptation and give in to the temptation. And, you know, and we, you know, we regret our defeat. But nevertheless, we still face temptations each day. Even sometimes the most smallest and minute ways. But understand the seriousness of temptation. Please understand, please, I want you to get this, because temptation can shipwreck a person's life. And if you don't believe me, look at the marriages around. Marriages are destroyed because someone did not give in, someone gave in to temptation. Someone failed to say no. People have been sucked dry and sucked and destroyed because of the temptation of drugs. Businesses, finances, personal integrity, political future, all have been destroyed and ruined because someone failed to, to say no to temptation. So there is a seriousness to this. So I don't want you to take temptation lightly. Even though it's a part of our everyday life, it's not something that you sneeze at. It's not something that you overlook. It's something that we need to overcome. Because know this, that temptation is designed to get us off our game. Right. Amen. Amen. Look at what James says. James talks about this. In verse, in, in verse 13, says this. Let no one say when he is tempted, I am tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he himself tempt anyone that is to do evil. But each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires and enticed. Then, when desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is full grown, brings forth death. Do not be deceived, beloved brethren. So it's pretty obvious who James is talking to, to believers. He says in verse 16, do not be deceived, my beloved brethren. Now, that word deceive is not found in the King James Version, but rather the word err, which is E-R-R. -R. And that word simply means to avoid situations that will cause us to roam or wander from truth or from safety. It also means to go astray. So there's a warning. The message translation says, don't go, don't get thrown off course. So there's a warning here. But James here provides for us in these verses the source of temptation and the steps in temptation. Know that there are two sources of temptations. There's a temptation that comes from within, and then there are temptations that come from without. 
What James is talking about are the temptations that come from within. Now, according to verse 14, he says that, that in us, in the person, within the person, it's his own evil desires, lust, inner cravings from our fallen nature. James tells us that we are dragged away and enticed by these inner desires or inner cravings. Let me give you an illustration to help us understand better what James is talking about. How many of you have ever, have ever heard the story of the businessman who was on a diet? No one ever heard that before? Okay, let me share that with you tonight. There was a businessman who was a Christian who was on a diet. And one morning he decided to go to work. But as he was going to work, he experienced this craving for donuts. Now, so what did he do? He headed towards a donut shop. But he was circling around the block. And as he was circling around the block, he began to pray. And this was his prayer. He says, Lord, I know you don't want me to eat those donuts. I know that that is not your will. But Lord, you have to confirm it. So he continues to pray. And he says, Lord, there are no parking spaces at this donut shop. So I'm going around the block. And if no parking space comes, then that confirms it for me. Now, after going around the block eight more times, <laughs> a parking spot was available. Now, this is what I want you to look at. You see, his desire or his craving gave birth to a behavior. And the behavior gave birth to a sin. Now, please don't misunderstand what I'm saying here tonight. I'm not saying that it is a sin to eat donuts. That's not what I'm saying. So if there's any of you repenting, please stop repenting right now. But this is uh, what James was talking about. Now, but what I really want to show you from this story is the nature of temptation. In other words, how temptation works. And this is what James is telling us. See, this businessman, he, he gave in to his cravings. Therefore, ruining his diet when all he could have simply said was no. But you see, saying no is easier said than done. But James 1.14 says, but each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires and enticed. Another translation says, everyone is tempted by his own desires, and listen to this, and they lure him away and trap him. Now, let me just say this. Temptation is not a sin. It's only when it gets into your heart and it takes ownership. That's when it becomes sin. But let's look at James 1.14 a little closely. It says, but each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires and enticed. That word enticed means to, to uh, let me look at my notes. That word enticed is the Greek means to entrap. It also means to beguile. That word beguile means to charm or to enchant, sometimes in a deceptive way. Again, I just want you to really understand what this word entice means. So in other words, what James is saying is this. He's saying that this inner craving, this desire, draws a person out like a fish being drawn out from its hiding place. As a matter of fact, that word entice is a Greek verb which paints a picture of someone putting a worm on a hook, baiting a hook. Now, how many are fishermen here? How many fish? Okay. Why is it that a fisherman... Put a worm on a hook to catch fish, right? Yes. You know, that's the obvious answer. That's the ultimate goal. But the real reason why a fisherman adds a fish, uh, puts a, a, a worm or any bait on a hook is to hide the hook. Think about that. You see, the worm is designed to entice. It is designed to attract Okay? So it's not about the worm. 
It's about the hook. But a fish is not going to be drawn to a hook. But a fish will draw to a worm. Not realizing that there's a hook behind the worm. So when a fish swims towards that worm, he has no idea that there's danger behind that worm or behind that bait. So it is an enticement. So bears don't go looking for a bear trap. No more than a mouse goes looking for a mouse trap. But what entices a mouse is cheese. But if you put a cheese on a trap, listen to this very carefully, and because of the, the mouse's lust for cheese, and cheese being the attraction, that attracts the mouse who eats the cheese, not realizing that there's a hook behind the cheese, a trap. Stay with me. Therefore, it is enticed. That is why so many Christians fall into temptation. Because they become attracted by their own desires. The very thing that they crave for. Not recognizing that there's a hook behind those cravings. A trap. Or I could say consequences. So isn't it funny, what James is saying is that we are our own worst enemies. And the reason why I say that is because we can both build and bait our own trap by our own natural desires. That's why it's important to say no. Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 22, you don't need to turn there. The Amplified Version says this, Strip yourselves of your former nature. Put off and discard your old unrenewed self, which characterizes your previous, previous manner of life and becomes corrupt through the lust and desire that spring from delusion. So Paul understood what was going on. And so this was what James was talking about. This is the nature of temptation. This is how temptation works. But behind every temptation... There's a hook. Always remember that. So let's look at the scriptures and let's go to Judges chapter 16 and let's look at some examples of some of the people who said no. Now, saying no will help us to avoid traps that are set by the enemy. And now we're going to look into uh, Samson. And Samson is an example of what James was talking about in James 1, verse 14. Samson. Is someone, as we look in his life, is an example of what not to do. Now, Samson has never been a favorite character of mine. Because every time I read about him, it, it seems to me like, um, you know, he did some great things, some great powerful things. And we all know that his strength comes from his hair. But he did some boneheaded stuff too, you know. And he was a thorn in the flesh to his enemies because no matter what the enemies tried to do to try to capture him and kill him, they couldn't succeed. He was always one up on them. He even killed a thousand Philistines with just the jawbone of an animal. So he did some great things until he felt romantically in love and involved with the wrong woman. Watch out now. Now look down in verse 4 of Judges chapter 6. Afterward, it happened that he loved a woman in the valley of Storic, or Sorek, whose name was Delilah. And isn't it interesting that the name Delilah is synonymous to the word temptation? So he, and this is what I want you to see. Again, it's, so, it's exactly what James was talking about. He became so caught up in his attraction to this woman that he failed to see the hook. But what he did was open the door for his enemy to come in and get the upper hand. So look in verse 5 of Judges chapter 16. And it says, And the lords of the Philistines came up to her and said to her, Entice him and find out where his great strength lies and by what means we may overpower him, that we may bind 
him to afflict him. And every one of us will give you 1,100 pieces of silver. And so in verse 6, so Delilah said to Samson, with all of her charm and all of her womanly ways, say, please tell me where your great strength lies, big boy. <laughs> is, that how, is that how you say it, ladies? <laughs> and with what you may be bound to afflict you. And then she bats her eyes. And, and for a while, and as a matter of fact, th on three separate occasions, she tried to pressure him and prod him and, 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 and nag him to try to get him to reveal the truth. And each time, Samson refused. Until he got to a point where he got so tired of her prodding to try to get him to prove his love for her that he stopped saying no, and he said yes. And, of course, the story goes where he fell asleep on her lap, and she had someone hiding somewhere in the house who came out and began to cut his locks. And before you know it, the enemy came in, captured him, gouged out his eyes, chained him up, and sent him to prison. All because he refused to say no. You know, and sometimes when temptation comes, it can be pestering. It can be a nuisance. Amen? And sometimes, you know, it's like, like a child. You know, when a child wants something, and, and they'll do everything they can to try to get it. They'll whine, they'll cry, they'll complain, they'll, they'll give you a hundred reasons why we should buy it for them. They'll make promises to us of cleaning up their rooms. They'll do everything to the point until the, the parents finally says, all right, stop, and give in. Well, that's what temptation does too. Sometimes it can be wearing on a person. But this is where we need to be very careful. This is where we need to be sober and vigilant and continue to say no, not to drop our guards. So Samson, being blinded by his attraction, and the attraction was Delilah, did not see the trap, did not see the hook. In the same way that a fish, when they see the worm, it doesn't see the hook. If there was just a hook and no worm, the fish would just swim right by it. But if there's an attraction, it's going to attract the fish and bait it. So you can say that the Philistines were the hook and Delilah was the attraction or the bait. But all he saw was the worm, which was the thing that he desired, which is Delilah. So, so similar to what James was talking about. But Samson is a story that is fascinating and heartbreaking because it, it gives us an example of what happens when we stay around people who are continually trying to get us to get out of character. Someone who's continuously trying to get us to draw away from our faith or to stop us from doing what we know is right to do. Now let me say this to you. If you find yourself continually saying no to someone that is trying to get you to compromise your values, that is the time to say no to the person and to the relationship. Go to Esther chapter 1. Let's look at another example. Sometimes saying no means taking a stand, which can lead to consequences. Here we read a story of Queen Vashti. Now, not much is said about her. Um, maybe just a few verses in one chapter and throughout the entire Bible. But even though not much is said about her, what is known about her is the fact that she was a queen, the Persian queen, whose husband was a very powerful king, who ruled over an empire that stretched from India to uh, Ethiopia. So he had a vast empire. But she was a Persian. She wasn't a Jew. She wasn't one of God's chosen people. She was a pagan, an unbeliever. And, <clears throat> and then one day the king decided to throw a feast. And it was a feast that lasted seven days. And so he invited all of the, the leaders, political and military leaders, all the princes and noblemen and everybody who's who, 
and, and from all over the empire to come and join him at this party. Now, if you look in verse 10, we pick up there that on the seventh day of that feast, when the heart of the king was merry with wine, now that's just a nicer way of saying that the king was blitzed with wine. And he commanded his eunuchs who served him in the presence of, his, of the king to bring Queen Vashti before the king wearing her royal crown in order to show her beauty to the people and to the officials for she was beautiful to behold. And so the king in his drunken state says, go get my wife. I want to show her off to these men. Now, I don't have a problem showing off my wife. I don't mind telling people how beautiful she is. But I'm not going to show her off before a bunch of drunken, you know, a bunch of guys to be ogling over her and lusting after her. That's, I won't do that. But apparently the king did. Well, this is what I love about Queen Vashti. In verse 12, it says this. But Queen Vashti refused to come at the king's command brought by the eunuchs. Therefore, the king was furious and his anger burned within him. When the queen got word from the eunuch that the king wants you to go and show off and want to show you off, you know, before all his friends, she says, I ain't going. I'm not going. You know, she got the, the hand in the hip and said, I ain't going. <laughs> no. Understand this. She took a huge chance of saying no. Because when she said no, she knew that there would be consequences. But she was willing to sacrifice this vast kingdom that she shared with her husband. She was willing to, to lose all of her glory and, and, and prestige and wealth and all the things that come with royalty. Rather than be subjected to the indignity and dishonor and disrespect. And being stood before a bunch of drunken men just to watch her and watch her beauty. She refused to dishonor herself. And even though it meant losing something, she said, no, it's not worth it. Sometimes we're going to have to face those situations where sometimes we're afraid to say no because we're afraid that we're going to offend somebody. We're afraid that, afraid that maybe they're going to look at us the wrong way afraid that maybe we're going to lose their friendship or, or lose their respect or, or maybe be, be, be part of a ridicule and be made fun of. But what's more important? Your integrity or someone else's feelings? Your relationship with God or what somebody else thinks is a good time? What is, what is it worth to you? Queen Vashti lost a lot. Look down in verse 19. After the king got the news that she refused, said no to him, she became very angry. And of course, he needed to do something about this because if the word got around, all the wives in the empire is going to do the same thing. So he was surrounded by advisors who came to him and began to come up with a law. And the verse 19 says... If it pleases the king, let a royal decree go out from him and let it be recorded in the laws of the Persians and the Medes so that it will not be altered that Vashti shall come no more before the king and let the king give her royal position to another who is better than she. So the queen accepted disgrace and dismissal from her position as queen. But she was willing to make the sacrifice rather than be subjected to dignity, to, uh, to, to the, uh, the dishonor and disrespect that, that she was expected to be subject to. 
And understand back in those days it was a man's world. But know that when we make a stand and say no, there may be consequences. Let's look at another example, Joseph. Now, I don't want to spend too much time there, but you know the story about Joseph and how he was sold into slavery by his brothers, and, and then he ended up being a house servant at Potiphar's house, and, and he was doing pretty good. The Bible says that the Lord was with him, and everything that Joseph did was uh, prospered, and he was a blessing. And he prospered Potiphar, and so Potiphar, being, being happy about it, and elevated him and gave him position and, and gave him responsibility over all of his household. He entrusted him with everything that is house. But you know, it's like, you know, when things are going well, something always happens to mess it up. And it was Potiphar's wife. And the scripture says that Potiphar's wife was really, really took a liking to Joseph because apparently Joseph was a good looking guy. And so she continued to make advances, trying to get her to, uh, him to lay with her. And the Bible says that she would do this every day, constantly making advances, constantly doing everything to, to, to seduce him and get him to do whatever she wanted him to do. But every day, Joseph said no. Think about the pressure that Samson faced with Delilah, being constantly prodded and nagged to reveal his secrets until he got so tired that he finally revealed it. But Joseph never got tired of saying no. We don't need to be tired of saying no. We should not be tired of saying no. But Joseph continued to say no right to the point where one day there was nobody in the house. And the Bible says that the woman cornered him, grabbed a hold of him. And I think that if she was bigger and stronger than him, she probably would have raped him. But she grabbed a hold of him and tried to get him to lay with her. And he still refused to do so. Because let me just say this. There was power and authority behind Joseph's no. Look in verse 9 of Genesis 39. The temptation was real. The temptation was constant. But Joseph never relinquished, never gave in, never gave up, continued to say no. And here's why. Chapter 39 of verse, in verse 9 of Genesis says this. There is no one greater in this house than I. Nor has he kept back anything from me but you. Because you are his wife. And this is what I love. How then can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? That was a settled issue in Joseph's heart. He knew who he belonged to. He knew that he belonged to God. He knew that, he, that God was with him. And he would never do anything to offend God in any way. He had a very strong conviction. He knew who he was. Do you know who you are? Where is your conviction? That you're willing to say no, no matter how appealing it may be to your flesh. Are you willing to stand up and make a stand and say no, regardless of the consequences? And of course, Joseph did all the right thing, continued to stay, say no, stood his ground and never gave in. But how did that work for him? He got accused of trying to, to make advances toward part of his wife. When she told the, the, of course, she lied and he ended up in prison. But listen to this. Stop and think about this. What if Joseph gave in to the temptation? What if he did lie with her? What would have been the consequences then? He was thrown in jail just because he was accused of making advances towards his wife. But if he had found out that he actually laid with his wife, what would be the consequences then? He probably would have been killed. And if he was going to be killed, think about all the thousands of people that would have died during the famine because there was no one there to organize the food program that Joseph had done. Think about that. If he had slipped up and gave in, 
What would be the consequences? And how would it affect so many other people? And of course, you know the rest of the story. God was able to elevate him from out of prison, put him in a place of powerful position, and he was able, and God was able to use him in such a mighty way. Which means that no matter what your circumstances may be, it doesn't affect your destiny. God will still use you as long as you continue to do what is right. See, Joseph wasn't fooling around. Joseph didn't want to maybe take a little taste to see how it was. Joseph didn't say, well, maybe if I do it once. No, he said no. He drew a line and said, no, I'm not going past this line. Joseph knew how to say no. Let's go, let's go to Hebrews chapter 11. Let's look at Moses' example. Hebrews 11, beginning verse 24, says this. By faith, Moses, when he became of age, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. Choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin. Moses had an opportunity to live in royalty, be in a very powerful and influential position, having all the wealth at his feet. But the Bible says he refused, he said no to that, and chose to be with his people in poverty rather than to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin. And just like you and I, we have to make choices every day. And every day, whenever we're faced with a the temptation, there's a choice that we have to make. Every time we say yes or no, it's a decision that you and I make. But the decision we make depends on the conviction that is in your heart. If you know who you are in Christ, then it's easier to say no. If you're not sure about who you are in Christ, if your relationship with Christ is not where it should be, you're going to struggle to say no. But if you remember what Christ has done for you, listen to me. What if Christ said no to you? When, Jesus, when, when God sent his son to the cross, even though he prayed at the Garden of Gethsemane and said, Lord, if, this, if, 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 if you can pass this cup from me, nevertheless, your will be done and not my will. What if he said, no, Lord, I don't want to do this. Find somebody else. But no, he said yes to you. He said yes because he cared enough about us. And so because he cared about us and because he's redeemed us and because he's set up in a high place, highly exalted with him, that's who we are. And so whenever we're faced with a temptation in life, how can we disappoint God who demonstrated his great love for us, never holding anything back to save us? See, if we always keep that in mind, then it's easier to say yes, uh, no to the, to the temptations in life. And it's easier to say yes to the Lord. Moses made the right choice. He could have chosen to live in riches, be in a very powerful position of authority, bossing people around, telling people what to do. But then... Who would lead the children of Israel to the promised land? Go to 1 Corinthians chapter 10. How can we successfully say no on a regular, consistent basis? 1 Corinthians chapter 10, in verse 13 says this. No temptation has overtaken you except such as is common to man. But God is faithful who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able, but with the temptation will also make a way of escape that you may be able to bear it. Isn't it wonderful to know that whenever you're faced with a very 
serious temptation, knowing that there's a, a way out of this, knowing that there's a way of escape, it's easier to say no. It's easier to hang in there and continue to say no and continue to stand your, your, your ground because you know that God's going to show you a way out. Amen. So and think about Delilah being persistent. And think about Potiphar's wife also being persistent. Sometimes temptation can be persistent, as I mentioned earlier. But we can be just as persistent and say no, knowing that God is going to provide a way of escape. Knowing that he's going to give us the strength to bear up under it. Knowing that he's going to give us a way to get up and over it. So that is a great motivator, knowing that he has that escape plan for us. James chapter 4 and verse 7, James says to resist the devil and he will flee. Jesus said no to the devil three times, resisting him each time with the word of God. And the devil had no choice but to run. There's, uh, someone once said this, it says that if the devil can seduce you, he can reduce you. But we don't want the devil to come in and dictate our lives and tell us what we do, should do, how we should live, and how we should think. Because God has already provided that for us. But we need to learn to say no. Go to Titus chapter 2. Even though we are required to say no to the things that we know we need to say no to, sometimes that's just not enough. Because it's got to be more than just your willpower. There's got to be something more behind your nose. In Titus chapter 2, and I'm going to read this to you from the NIV. In verse 11 says this. For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. Look at verse 12. It teaches us or it disciplines us or it trains us up to say what? No to ungodliness and worldly passions, and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age. While we wait for the blessed hope, the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all wickedness to purity for himself a people, or to purify for himself a people that are his very own, eager to do what is good. So what we see here is that the scriptures are telling us that it's God's grace, not willpower, that teaches us, that motivates us, that enables us to resist and to say no to ungodliness in all worldly pleasures. Not only does God's grace do that for us, but it also helps us and enables us to do what is right, to live soberly, to live righteously. There's something to be said about God's grace that enables us, that empowers us. And knowing that, knowing that we have the backing of God's grace to face any temptation in life, we have that confidence to say no and know that we can overcome any temptation that faces us. Now, some of you may be going through some sort of temptation. I would have to say all of you, I'm sure, have faced some temptation. But there are some of you here who are facing temptation that is constant and continuous and you find yourself falling and giving in to those temptations. You want to say no, but sometimes you know it's just not enough. But let me encourage you. God has given you everything that you need to resist every temptation that you face in life. Doesn't matter how persistent it may be. Doesn't matter how many times you failed. But today, I want to tell you and encourage you that you have the backing of God's grace to enable you to overcome those temptations, to help you, to train you, to discipline you, to say no every time you get tempted to do something that you know is wrong. You have the backing not only of God's grace, 
but you also have the backing of the power of the Holy Spirit that lives inside of you. And see, we don't think about that in the time that we're, we're facing that temptation. We, we get so caught up with trying to resist and trying to fight that sometimes we end up doing it in our own strength. But listen, you cannot defeat or overcome temptation in your own powers. Willpower is not enough. You need the backing of someone that is going to back you up so that when you speak the word no, it speaks forth with power, with confidence, knowing that you have the grace of God, knowing that you have the power of the Spirit of God in behind you, standing behind you and standing with you to overcome and stand up against any temptation you face in life. And it's so important that you understand this. You know, when, you, when you're in battle, don't leave your weapons behind. Bring your weapons with you. His name is Jesus Christ. His name is the Holy Ghost. It's the grace of God that gives us that power to say no. I want you to say this with me, and I want you to say it with all the fervor and all the strength that you can muster. And I want you to say no to whatever temptation you're facing right now. Let's say it. One, two, three, say No! That was a little weak. One more time. One, two, three. No! That's what you need to do. Sometimes we just have to holler at the devil and tell him no. Just so we can watch him run. And, and let me just say this. In case you didn't know this. But the devil is afraid of you. No, no, I take that back. He's not afraid. He's scared. He's scared of you. And when we are willing to stand up in our rightful place and authority, he's no match for us. He'll have more losing battles than, than victories. And we'll be the ones that have the victories and less losing battles because we take our place in position of authority so that every time you say no, the devil knows you mean it. You know, it's not those weak no. No, like my, my grandson. The devil's not going to run away from that. But when you stand on your two feet, embrace yourself, knowing that you have the authority of God with you, knowing you have the grace of God behind you, you know the spirit of God within you, and you say no, man, the devil's going to run. He's, he's not going to want to stick around and fight with you. He's scared of you. Go to Galatians chapter 5 as we close. Whatever is needed has already been provided to not only say no to ungodliness and worldly pleasures, but also we have the power and the authority to live soberly, righteously, and also godly lives. Walking the Spirit. Go, go to Galatians chapter 5 and look at verse 16. Being led and controlled by the Spirit of God will help us to say yes to godliness and no to the desires of our flesh. Verse 16 says, I say then, walk in the Spirit and you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusts against the Spirit and the Spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary to one another. So that you do not do the things that you wish. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now, what does it mean to be led by the Spirit of God? Well, this is what it means. It means to live a life that is persuaded, motivated, guided, inspired, carried, moved, and influenced by the Spirit of God in every area of your lives. It means to be responsive, controlled, and guided by the Spirit. It means being in step with the Spirit of God every area of our lives by allowing Him to motivate us, move us, carry us, guide us, direct us, influence us, persuade us. Look at verse 19. Now the works of the flesh are evident, 
which are adultery, fornication, uncleanliness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, envy, murders, drunkenness, revelries, and the like, of which I tell you beforehand, just as I has also told you in time past, that those who practice, that is, perform repeatedly or habitually, such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the grace of God teaches us to say no to all of these things. The Spirit of God and the power of God that lives within us helps us to overcome all of these things. These things that Paul mentions should not have any control of our lives. Because in us, there's holiness. In us, there's godliness. In us, there's righteousness. And everything that we do reflects on who we are in Christ. So walking by and in the Spirit, walking in the Spirit and walking under the direction of the Holy Ghost is going to help us to say no and back us up and not give in to the temptations of life. And you know, you, have, you may have given into temptation time and time again. But listen, this is not a time to feel condemned. This is not a time to feel bad about yourself or beat yourself up. Start today. Start anew. Start fresh. Make a stand and say no to whatever temptation is, is, is hanging around in your life. Make a stand today. Start fresh. And start knowing that you have weapons that is far greater than any temptation that you face. Because what's on the inside of you is much bigger than any temptation that may come against you. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for everything you've said and done tonight. I thank you, Father God, for the word that is encouraging. I pray, Lord, that the word is strengthening. I pray, Father God, that the word is inspiring us, Lord God, to, to say no to everything that is ungodly, everything, Lord God, that is not of you. And Father, I, I thank you, Lord, for strengthening everyone that is here today, encouraging them. And Lord, I thank you, Father God, that starting today, We will be able to face any temptation, any ungodliness, any worldly pleasures that may try to overtake us. We can face it and overcome it and be victorious. Father, I thank you that you've given us the victory over every area of our lives. And so I thank you, Father God, that today we leave here shouting the victory even before we go into battle because we know that we have the confidence in knowing Lord God that whatever battle we face you're going to help us to win it and so Father we thank you tonight Lord I, I, first Lord we ask Lord God that if there are those Lord God who may have given into temptation Father God I thank you that because you're such a forgiving and merciful God that you restore them back to a right relationship with you. And Father, from now on, that whenever they face temptation, they will not face it alone. They will not face it in their own power. But now they have the weapons called the Spirit of God, the grace of God, hallelujah, to face any difficulties in life. So Father, I thank you for helping every one of us here today with your words. And Lord, we look forward to many more victories in life starting today and from now on. And Lord, for this we thank you and give you glory and honor and praise. In Jesus' name we pray.